And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, Sleep Dog? Uh... I've got an amazing pod. Sorry, I'm virtual maybe come in a little hot, but uh, no, hey, we got a lot of topics to cover. Uh, we are going to address what's going on with uh, the basketball team. We'll talk about that. Um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be honest. We always keep it honest, but I'm excited, sleep. Dude, the Super Bowl is in like three days. And it's like, it doesn't even exist. There's so much going on in it, especially if you're a Carolina fan right now, because that is front and center on, on all of our minds. The NBA is haywire. There's so much going on in the NBA right now. Can't wait to talk about that. And then, of course, we got the Super Bowl. Um, so there's those are the three things we're going to key in on and, and, and many things in between. The heels are just on their heels. Lost three in a row. Uh, ain't looking too bright ahead. Um, NBA KD goes to the Suns. Kyrie goes to the Mavs. LeBron breaks the scoring title. There's all kinds of that stuff going on. And we get to KC Philly pick winners. Um, you know, maybe a little few prop bets, all that sort of stuff. But, uh, let's start with the heels, man. They did not look good. Um, again, you could, I mean, I feel like some of these losses, right. You're sort of like, yeah, but. Right, you lose to Alabama, yeah, but it was four overtimes. You lose to Iowa State earlier in the season, yeah, but we were on the road. It was an early game. You lose to like, uh, you know, India, yeah, but they just got hot. You lose the pit even in this most recent matchup, yeah, but I don't know, man. They, you know, we could have pulled it. And then you lose to Duke, and just doesn't look good. You lose to Wake, and that game wasn't nearly as close as it was. You got Clemson, Miami at State at Notre Dame, who's not very good at Virginia at Florida State, who sucks. And at home too. Like, if you're sitting where I'm sitting right now, you're lucky to go 500 in that stretch. The way these guys look. Uh, what do you think is? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just gonna give it over to you, dude. What's What's your impression of what's going on, and 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 what's the outlook from here? Well, sleep. Early on in the year, when we started uh, playing these tough games, I, I wouldn't say necessarily tough games, or having these close games. Everybody's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Um. And now that it comes out early on in the year, College of Charleston was on the longest winning streak uh, in the country at one point. I think they've won like 20 games in a row. That was actually turned out to be a quality win. And everyone was kind of bashing us for how close that was. Um, then we come out and, uh, you know, Gardner Webb, um, that was a close one. But we lost to Iowa State. Iowa State's uh, 11th in the country right now. So you could say that was a tough game. We lost to Alabama. Alabama, arguably the best team in the country. Athletic, they're a true contender. Nate Oates is doing a great job. Uh, Coach of the year candidate. And then you can make sense of the Indiana loss. Indiana is a quality team, 18th in the country right now. They have talent in um, the uh, Davis Jones kid. Who's playing very well. He's actually a national player of the year candidate. He won't win. Uh, Zach Eady will win that. But um, now, you know, we start we started losing games at Virginia Tech. That was a that was a bad loss. Uh, we came out, smashed uh, Georgia Tech. And then we beat Ohio State uh, in the garden. And everybody thought that was a quality win. Well, that turned out not to be such a good win. Uh, Michigan, <laughs> they suck. Yeah, they suck. And listen, guys, 
Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are arguing whether they should fire their coach or not at Ohio State. And they have they just lost to a Wisconsin team who went one in seven in January. Yeah. And so sounds like we, something we would do. Guys, we are struggling <laughs> right now. And if if I'm looking at this um this team, first of all, I'm on the outside looking in. I don't have any inside information. I haven't called the coaching staff or reached out and really ask what's going on. I don't do that. I let them coach. I think they're, uh, they're much more qualified to do that than I am. Um, we're in the good position to sit back, watch games and complain the next day. Mm -hmm. But watching those games are kind of tough right now. And the reason I say that is because I want the kids to have fun. This is college basketball. Uh, you should be excited to play. Um, not everyone gets a chance to play at North Carolina. It's a storied program, a lot of history, a ton of great players. You should be respectful of that. You should go out there and at minimum, give it everything you have. And if you fail, okay, so be it. Uh, we can go down if we go down trying. And um, that's the one thing I'd like to see. I'd like to see the kids high-fiving. I'd like to see uh, more excitement out of them. Um, and, I, and and Sleep, we've talked about it mm -hmm. at length on here. Yeah. If we want to get down into it and we want to crunch numbers and stats, get more assists. When our assists are high and our turnovers are low, we seem to win. And I stand behind that statement. I've said that on other networks, and I stand behind that right now. You look when we have high assists, we we generally win and we play well. Uh, it doesn't count. come down to uh, you know all these other – analytics. Listen, you share the ball, you get high quality shots and you take care of it. You're going to win. Uh, so if I'm looking at it specifically from an area where we need to improve, that would be it. Uh, also, when you have high assists, it shows guys are on the same, uh, you know, you know, chemistry wise, we're mm -hmm. moving together. Uh, we're sharing the ball. We're putting ourselves in position to score. So I like that. Uh, but we need to get back to having fun and, it's it's uh, I've never had or been part of a players meeting after a game where it was a good thing. Like, you know, what I'm saying no mm -hmm. one calls <clears throat> after the game meetings or players only meetings if, you know, they don't do that because things are going well. They do that because it's desperation. So uh, we are not in a good state sleep. It's hard to really gift wrap this and be optimistic. Uh, <clears throat> but. I will say last year around this time, we weren't that much better. If mm -hmm. we were looking for optimism, there's time to turn it around. We have good quality games in front of us. We do have a tough schedule coming up. Uh, I think we have Miami. Uh, team mm -hmm. is rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Clemson, mm -hmm. top team in the ACC. So we, we, we're going to have some chances, and we need some quad one wins. I hate the quad system, but it seems like everybody, lives, system. And, yep. everybody lives and dies by the quads. Uh, everybody lives and dies by the analytics or the net rating, whatever. Uh, so we need to get some quality wins, Sleep. Have you ever been on a team where the chemistry isn't there? 100%. And, and, and how do you deal with that? And I'm the reason I'm asking that way is because I'll be 100% honest, we don't know jack shit about chemistry. There's a lot of talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. I got no idea what's going on there. So rather than you know ask questions about what do you think is going on with their chemistry – it seems like they don't have it. I think that's what most fans feel. So, you know, we'll just come at it from that angle. Like, you know, how do you overcome throughout, you know, a long season that grinds and, and, and chemistry problems tend to snowball? How do you overcome that? Sleep for me, 
it goes down to being respect the game. I've always been a bit big advocate about respecting the game. You don't have to like your teammate. And it's hard for me to say that because usually we're talking about this on an NBA level, a professional mm-hmm. level where teammates don't get along. There's an issue. We've all seen it. You know, all these superstars being on the same teams. Hey, they just don't jive. You don't see it much in college because mm-hmm. usually in college you're playing with your best friends. And I can mm-hmm. tell you, there was never really a chemistry issue with any team that I played on. And if there was, guys addressed it. Guys handled it. Uh, you know, these are in college. You go out, you hang out. I mean, not everyone. You don't have families. You don't have to go home to different lives. Like you are in it together. And that's a great thing about college. Listen, if you're having like if you're having chemistry ex- issues. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Fix it. Address it. You know, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got to be honest with each other. If there's an issue, address it because those issues are much more important. Those issues aren't as important as this, this program. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, if there is chemistry issues, you're putting yourself before the program. And I'll tell you this, North Carolina is not, uh, no one's bigger than North mm-hmm. Carolina, not one coach, not one player. Uh, so if there are chemistry issues, you need to address it and fix it, period. And also, if there are and they can't be fixed, then you respect the game and you still go out and play hard. Yeah. That's it. It is. You don't have to. Uh, you know, this isn't a social club. Okay. You don't all have to get along to win mm-hmm. or to achieve a goal. Okay. It, all it does is respect the game, play hard, and play it the right way. Yeah. And you mentioned, too, that you or earlier you said, you know, you want to see these kids have fun. And I think that's where I come from when I'm watching it. I'm asking myself that question. Is there chemistry issues? You know, I'm starting to get to the to that age. It's weird, man. Like, I still feel like I'm a kid. I don't know if it's fucking 40. And I sit here and I look and I played a little sports in college and, and nothing serious. But it's a it's a time or forget sports just going to college and and being with the people that you you spend that time with in college like my fear is is that if they're chemistry issues these guys are going to ruin um they're going to look back one day and and realize how trivial uh college problems are in the scope of real life there's all these things now that you didn't have to deal with that we you know did the social media the money um you know and 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 with all that stuff comes you know added sort of pressure in a, in an environment that nobody really knows like nobody's really studied or or stress tested like we've talked about a lot it's just the wild west with some of this stuff um so that's my fear if there's chemistry issues i don't know again it looks like these guys are out of sorts on the court whether there's something more to that i have no idea what i hope is is exactly what you just said is maybe after that last loss you kind of come together and there's like Sort of the great equalizer, in my opinion, in any low-level sports I've ever played, is when when people are having problems, you have that come to Jesus, and it's about playing for pride at a certain point. And when you sort of fall back on that, for you, you know, you say, you know, respecting the program is is kind of one and the same. Like, man, eventually you got to go out and forget about everything else, and just remember that, like, all the work and the time and the effort and 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 the, the you know the what you've put into this and 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 just try to go get something out of it. No one this is, I, I've always felt this way. Nobody gets to criticize teams like their most avid fans. Right. So like, I understand that people are delirious on Twitter and on all these other places probably, but like that's the, the, these are the same people 
that hype you up, right? That when you're preseason mm-hmm. number one, we're like ready to ride. And when you're letting us down, you know, we're going to let you know. And and that's just sort of like how family is. I mean, that's how my family is, right? So so I understand sort of the mercurial nature and, you know, polarizing sort of stuff that people are talking about. But all th- all I know is that, man, everybody that's criticizing the team is criticizing them because they want better for them as opposed to, um, you know, the opposite. So sleep, sleep. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point that you made. And the the other thing I want to talk about is um, you said criticizing players got to be able to handle negative criticism. Mm -hmm. And that's not just basketball. That's life too. Mm -hmm. How you handle negative interaction and make the most of that and be able to block it out and still play. You're not going to play on a team or you're not going to play in any sport where somebody doesn't criticize you. Right. Now, whether you put too much emphasis or thought into that criticism and let it dictate how you move forward is going to determine uh, a big part of your success. You can use it to drive you. You can use it to just ignore, mm-hmm. uh, or you could use it to uh, push you and lead you to other problems and overblow it and overthink it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one thing on that. And the other thing I would like to talk about is you, you mentioned, how did we handle um, chemistry issues on the teams that I've been involved with? And I will tell you this, it's amazing what can happen when you start winning and you start playing hard. Uh, how sometimes those off the court issues can fade. Mm -hmm. And when you start seeing somebody has success, you start winning games and you start playing hard. uh, Sometimes those things you're like, man, screw that. And you're winning and things are going well. Then you can have a more honest and open conversation if there are issues. Uh, So that, that would be something that I would go at. But also the other thing is if there is a players only meeting, it's a players only. It's not, players have a meeting, come out and then tell the media what's going on. If they want to have a player's meeting, I I always respected the people like, listen, this is what we talked about. uh, And it stays in that locker room. We're not going to mention the details of it, but there's no excuse. We have no excuse for losing. We're going to own it, learn from it and try to make the most out of the season going forward. You mentioned it earlier. And I'm I'm going to preface what I'm about to say um, by saying I have, I'm probably the least qualified person in the United States of America to make any coaching observations. Um, I couldn't coach a little league basketball team, but the one thing that I've seen that I noticed the other night when we were playing wake and we're just getting browbeaten by these guys. The one thing I haven't seen Hubert do since he took over is the old pull all five starters and put the bench guys in, you know, and that was a, that was a tactic that Roy used that Coach Smith used that probably other coaches outside of I don't know if you know uh, you know any other big program uses to send a message to the team to to say exactly what you just said that hey guys what I'm seeing as your coach is um is an indication that right here in this moment you don't appreciate um the opportunity that you've got right now you're not playing hard period right and I guess I think I'd like to see that. Is is when they start getting down. I mean, you got we talked all season about guy getting guys minutes. Man, dude, just yank them. I mean, if you're down twenty at Wake Forest, dude, yank them and put these guys in because I think what you'll see, you're not going to get any complaints from fans if we go from down twenty to down forty. You're going to be excited because you're going to watch kids hustle and dive for the ball and point to each other and do the things that are Carolina basketball. So I guess if there's one criticism I'd say of, of Hubert Davis, it's like, man, pull that, uh, you know, pull that move out and see see what works. But like I said, man, I got. 
I got no idea. I just, you know, he's, he, I think Hubert has, has done a fine job and uh, last year is evidence of it. But, you know, I do think that the team caught lightning in a bottle last year. I think they started winning. Some of the problems went away. Some of they started playing having fun and not thinking it. And, and, and I think now there was always this expectation, not to, not, not even just from the start of the season when you're preseason number one, but now you're back in this situation and there's this like, weird environment where there's this added expectation because, Hey, you just did this last year. Like figure it out. It's easy, mm -hmm. right? You just start winning and it's not happening. And I think you're seeing it start to mount and people getting frustrated. Um, and I'm be honest with you, big Hawk, man. I don't, I don't see this team making a tournament right now. I'm going to say it. <laughs> you're not the only one out there sleep. Um, I'm a little more optimistic than you. I think they can turn it around. Uh, but I will say if I was a, to ever coach, one of my favorite things would be, is to do the hockey sub, just mm -hmm. get them all. Yeah, and I, I've been on those teams. Uh, <laughs> looking back, I kind of laugh now. Then it was so great playing for Coach Williams. Like just how yeah. much like emotional investment he had, and how he lived and died. Like it was just so. I mean, looking back, it's so cool. But I mean, he would just get them, scream at the bench, <laughs> and he's just like all of them. He, and then he'd walk down, and you could see him. You, you, you yeah, yeah, and then. Like with his thumb, <laughs> yank it back real quick. The theatrics of it yeah. all. And I you know what them. happened? You know what happened? is This is like one of the greatest teams in the history of our university. Mm -hmm. And every fan watching on TV, every fan in the stadium is like, hell yeah, Roy, get him. Get Tyler Hansborough. Get Ty Lawson. Get those motherfuckers off the court. Right? And it's like, <laughs> that doesn't mean we we don't think that that gives us the best chance to win. It's like, we get to feel a part of that. And I think that's something that can really, you know, turn the tide, I think, because because I do think fan sentiment plays a role in, in a team's success. And I'm not saying it's a live or die situation, but I think people start, it's pressure. We talked about it. Like, people start to feel it. And I yeah. think that this team needs something that it found last year that it's still looking for this year. And if they don't find it now, like not tomorrow, but today, they're not going to make the tournament, dude. They basically... They got to win out pretty close to, to you know, because you got to figure that they got seven, eight games. I'm looking at the schedule and in but two of them are they going to be favored in right here, right now. And you got to find it, man. You got to dig deep. And, 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 and I think if you just sort of let all that go and say, you know what, man, we're just going out here and we're going to play to win. We're going to play for pride. We ain't trying to win the national championship. We're trying to win today. Uh, I, I think that's the only way they're going to solve it. I think we're one and eight in quad ones. So yeah, yeah we we're we're gonna have a chance to get some quad ones. Uh, it seems a metric that a lot of people will go by, and the tournament will look at that too. Um, but uh, I I love Carolina fans, and we know that it comes from a good place, just mm -hmm. like your brother. Uh, there's no one in this world that can say the things that your family can say to you. Uh, yep. So, and then you still love them at the end of the day. Exactly. So, and well, you, and it, you, yeah. Go ahead. No, it, you're right. It's yeah. a good segue into a question that we got inbound um, about national championship winners now. So there's a silver lining here, right? We have lost so many games. I lost count on. We lost nine games, all right? Uh, I don't know how many. We lost like 10 last year. And somebody came at us with a question. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. You probably can, uh, can shout them out. But, uh, you know, asking, hey, man, why does it seem like, why do we think that the champion ship teams now are not any more two and one and two and three lost teams. It seems like there are five, six, seven lost teams 
or it could have been last year, maybe even eight, nine, ten lost teams if if we had pulled it out. Like, um, so the silver lining is here is like, hey, do you get to the tournament? I, I'll answer first. I think it's just parity. I talk a lot about that. I think I think there's a lot more parity in the game um, due to for a number of reasons. But uh, you know, if we manage to go on a roll here and and win out or some shit. Um, we go in there at like 21 and nine and probably flirting around with the top 25 at the time we go into the tournament, right? There's just no telling. It's just get hot at the right time. But, uh, I guess, why do you think that is? Well, one, I think, listen, there's, there's not a clear cut dominant team in college and there wasn't last year. Uh, and I think guys are actually leaving the NBA earlier now, Mm -hmm. uh, than they were years ago, uh, for the NBA. Yeah, leaving for mm-hmm. the NBA, there, there's not a lot of good four-year, five or four-year players. But now you're having this transfer portal, and you're seeing the the COVID and guys are in college mm-hmm. for a thousand years. So, <clears throat> why isn't there a dominant uh, team, or why is there more six or seven uh, lost teams winning the tournament? Because I think this year, when you look across uh, basketball, there's there is no dominant team this year, but also. Um, like I think the winner might come out of the big 12 this year and that is a very tough conference. And so if you look at the win percentage on the road, uh, for teams, it's not that good. So, right. um, you know, some of these, uh, champions or national champions are coming out of some conferences like that. And there's not a lot of time to really develop these players. Instead, we have this one and done movement. Uh, you have some players, also transferring to different mm-hmm. teams, mm-hmm. Uh, not really getting much development. So that's just my take. Sleep. That's, that's I think the I'm G League from. is a, is a, is an up and coming sort of thing too. I don't think the G League is ever going to like, or at least it doesn't seem eminent that they're going to replace college basketball. But there's like I was looking the other day. I don't pay any attention to recruiting, but I, I, something I saw was like the projected draft and like the top five picks were all projected from the G League. So, you know, I think the first guy was like Brandon Miller from Alabama. They had him going. I was like, dude, he seems to me like a shoe-in behind Wimbanyama as number one pick. And he had him like five or six behind like a bunch of other dudes in the G League that I've never heard of. So I do think that like some of your your best – because college basketball is one of those places. I mean – I hate I hate Duke, but you got Zion Williamson. You're gonna be you're gonna be pretty damn good, right? You got a you got an alpha dog in college. Like that's a place where one guy can really really make you um, win. You know, in, in that in that seven losses that a national championship team might have, right? If you add a, the best player in the country, three or four of those losses might go the other way because you got a guy that's just that good. So I do think one player can make a big difference, and those one players happen to have other options now. So I think that leads into some of the parity. I think you got NIL that's allowing people to get paid to go to programs they might not otherwise go to. I think you have this constant exposure that that even as we feel like, ah, well, everybody's always been on TV. Well, there's all these new outlets, man, that are connecting with people. There's different media. There's different ways for, for a program to attract a player and tell them, hey, you come here, you're going to get exposure that you won't get if you go there. So there's a lot of moving parts. And I just think that I really think it's good for the game. I, I do think that it, it will make us appreciate more the next time that damn near undefeated team comes along because we've seen a lot of good teams and we never really, I don't think, appreciated just how good those teams are, just how hard it is to go out and win 30 plus games in a college basketball season. 
Yeah, sleep. You've got to fix the transfer portal. I'm I'm not on board yeah. with the transfer. And I know I've been on here. And listen, I'm going to change my stance. I don't care if a coach leaves midseason or into the season. I don't want it to happen to the players. And I do think it's wrong that the coaches do leave during season, leave a team behind to go take a better opportunity because the kids don't get that chance. And I also think it sets a bad uh, – you know, it, you look as a coach should be a role model, and it sets a bad right. example for the kids. Um, so uh, the transfer portal, I, I hate to see kids just kind of leave when things aren't mm-hmm. going right. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see kids, instead of when things aren't going right, going to a different program and continue to do the things uh, that didn't work out in other program, expect to have better results somewhere else, to me is an ideal. And and I'm, I'm not calling this player out, but you know, it's it's somebody who I looked at who's like transferred like seven different, like mm-hmm. five or six different schools. Uh, we had a point guard actually play for Coach Williams here. I think he transferred to South Carolina. They ended up mm-hmm. transferring somewhere else. Terms mm-hmm. never really worked out. And all I'm saying is like, hey, listen, guys, it's not always somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. look into yourself. What can I do to get on the floor? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I not playing? Okay, and then build your coach's trust through that. Yeah. And then what you start doing is once you get confidence and your coach has confidence in you, then you start throwing a little bit of what you've worked on in your game. And I, I that's the one thing I think we, we could start to see better quality teams, especially like I've said this, like the schools like Velanova, who mm-hmm. did an unbelievable job building their program. Uh, Jay Wright, it seems like they were, you know, it's it's amazing how dominant they were. Um, it just seems like they were sweet 16, elite mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Mark Few over there in Gonzaga. He's mm-hmm. done an unbelievable job, too. Uh, he's mm-hmm. never won a championship, but what he's done with Gonzaga, a mid-major, doesn't play in a power uh, conference, has been very impressive. Yeah, just pumping guys in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that, that to that point, I feel like that conversation – I feel like in those instances where you have a player who's young, who doesn't, you know, feel like he's getting a fair shake. I bet that that conversation, I bet they don't go to the coach with that a lot, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I think if it would, if, if, what these kids I think need to understand is the first place you need to stop if you're not happy is in that coach's office. And if your coach gives a shit, he's going to sit you down and explain to you what's going on and how, you know, and, and help you plan out a path forward. Um, and that's something that comes into, understanding how leadership works outside of sports, man. I see, I've seen it in my career. You've seen it in, 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 in yours. Like it, it doesn't matter whether you're playing basketball or whether you're working at Walmart, right? Like it's, it's understanding there's, there's a process to everything and, and there's other people's decision. You know, there's other people seeing other things and everybody's got to sort of figure out how it all works together. And, and sure, there's absolutely times where there's like bad blood or there's, you know, some guys not getting a fair shake and, and, and there's absolutely times when, you know what, it just doesn't work, but I would Mm -hmm. be willing to bet more often than not, it's a fixable problem. And you're right. When you have those guys that just always want to go find that place where they just fit right in and everybody cozies up around them. Those are the people that don't like to be challenged, man. And they're not going to succeed. Sleep. One other thing, like, sorry uh, to keep talking about, but you said it, you go in that coach's office. You don't have your parent call. You don't have, you know, somebody else like that is a, that's a wrong way to handle things. And especially in college, um, this is your, your first time being away from home. Okay. You've got to be able to address hard situations. Like I said, you got to be able to handle negative feedback. And if you go into that coach's office and he just blatantly tells you, you're not good enough to play yet. You are not like, that is something that needs to be said. If that player is 
you know, doing all this complaining in their mind, talking to their parents, Mm -hmm. you know, college kids have so many outside voices with the NIL, everything coming at you. They have to deal like one other thing people aren't talking about when you get an NIL deal, you're also making a connection with somebody and also you're giving them access to you. So they're Mm going to be talking, they're going to be throwing their opinions at you saying these things. You've got to be able to handle the truth and accept it. And if you're not playing well, uh, you know, you, you should go and dress the source. It's never good to have a third party represent you like an agent mm-hmm. uh, at the professional level or something like that. And there's a lot of uh, mis- miscommunication that happens in between. Uh, and and that's uh, that's one of the best things you've ever said on this podcast is you walk into the coach's office yourself. I, I mean, and also that takes a lot of courage by it that does. kid as well, because yep. it's one of your first times being away. You got to represent yourself. So, yeah, that would be. Great advice. To Dude, I'll kid. never forget when I was in high school, man. And it's like, <laughs> that's all I can really relate to, man. That's about where I peaked. And, you know, I was on a basketball team. I've, I've said this many times. I was the worst player in the worst and on the worst team in the state of North Carolina. I remember one time our coach at halftime just getting in. I think we went to somewhere and lost by like, I remember at halftime, coach throws the clipboard. He says, I hope they beat you by 100. I was like, well, they might. So you might get your wish, dude, because we're down about 50 at halftime. And we got, I mean, it was murder scene when we got out of there. So we go to the locker room afterward. And he's just talking about how, you know, nobody wants to play and blah, blah. And we sucked, man. We just weren't that good. But, you know, it was our coach was way too good for our team. I always loved our coach. And I can't to this day understand uh, even like what gave me the courage to walk in there next school day. He was the athletic director. I walked in his office. I was like, coach, man, I don't really know how to say this, but. I played baseball. I was a big baseball guy. And I, you know, basketball I liked, but baseball I love. I was like, coach, man, like, I don't know how to say this, but you mentioned yesterday, like, if your heart's just not in it, I don't really know, you know, that we shouldn't be here. And I was like, I- I've just been thinking about it, man. And I was like, I just feel like everybody's better than me and I don't belong here. Right. And I'm really struggling with that. And I expected, like, I don't, to this day, I swear, I don't know why I went in there or what gave me the courage to do it, if you want to call it that. But I walked in there and had that conversation. And it was amazing, man. Like the way I, the reaction I got from him, me and him at that day, that day forward were so tight because he, I think, you know, he respected what it took. I didn't even mm-hmm. understand what I was doing. And he understood that I didn't understand uh, the growth that I was able to experience, not just on that basketball team. Cause he started, dude, he, he started playing me and I started like making shots and I was like, holy shit, man, I'm getting like confidence that carried me a long way in, in, in that season in basketball. And in like, he, talk me into not quitting. I played baseball. I carried it that way. I, you know, it's a, it's a lesson here. I am like 30 years later or whatever. I guess I'm not 20 years later telling this story and the impact that one decision I made literally had on my whole life, you know? Um, and of course the coach could have just been a dick if he didn't care, but like, you know, you probably ain't coaching high school if you really don't give a shit. Um, but, but it's, it's those types of things that, man, I go back to it. These kids are college kids. They just don't get it. They don't understand yet. But you make that decision and you walk in and you, you know, you do the hard thing and and probably going to get something like exponentially more valuable than what you think you need out of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Old dad advice, I guess (laughs) I'm fucking really getting old here. Um, Here's here's one thing that to to, speaking of transferring, got to talk about the NBA. I know most people don't care, but if you don't care, you probably care right now. KD's on the move. Kyrie's on the move. LeBron's scoring thousands of points. The Nets just traded Kyrie and they just traded Kevin Durant. 
And the reason why I feel like that matters in Sleep Hawk Worldwide context is because I can't avoid this thought about <clears throat> the Brooklyn Nets and North Carolina Tar Heels. Brooklyn is like one of the best teams in the NBA. Okay. They got Kyrie, who's a basket case. They got KD, who's incredible, but also hurt. Um, they're like five or six games out of first in the Eastern Conference. They're a couple games out of like second. Here's what I keep asking myself. How did they manage? And clearly now we know that is a shit show behind the scenes. Everybody's pissed. Something's going on. Like, I don't know if it's management players, whatever. How do they manage to be that good throughout all this adversity? Right. And then like kind of as a basketball guy, I'm like, I guess you kind of had to blow up the team, but why would you blow up a team that's could win a championship? And and so I I it, it's funny because when I when I ask that question, like, how are they managing to win despite all these obvious internal problems? It's like if someone could bottle that up for us and 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 transport it safely to Chapel Hill. Um, I love the recipe because it's chaos in there. It sounds like sleep. Um, first of all, in the exchange, uh, from the Suns and the nets, KD goes to the Suns clearly, but cam Johnson tar Hill, yep. uh, who's having, he's, he's had a pretty good NBA career so far, mm-hmm. uh, playing well, had some injuries. He was moved to the nets. So all tar Hills, uh, cams back on the East coast, so, you know, just putting that out there. Um, I did just right, trade so, him on my fantasy team. I got to come clean about that. But he he was a draft pick. I love Cam. Cam's fantasy stud. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think he'll get more extended minutes, and I think he'll play a much bigger role. So I'm I'm excited for Cam, um, and hopefully he's happy. I know it's tough leaving for a, a contender. Uh, but, um, listen, the Kyrie situation, and I, I heard their owner, Joseph Sy talk about he wasn't going to trade Kyrie to the team where he mm-hmm. wanted to go, which was very <laughs> telling to me. Yeah. And, you know, obviously people don't realize, you know, these owners, these owners are business people. Yep. And they're extremely smart, but they're extremely competitive as well. And some of these people, uh, they know business and they know, you know, they'll be nice. But then once it comes to, you know, some business decisions, if they don't like you, they can get you. And so I think that was a a calculated move for him to move Kyrie uh, specifically anywhere except for the Lakers. Yeah. He was pretty vocal in the summer about wanting to go to the Lakers. And this is just an owner putting his foot down like he should. Mm -hmm. Uh. Kyrie signed that contract. He plays for Joseph Sy, and he owns a team. So what he wants to do with that is on him. And Kyrie um, gave him that ability when he signed with the Nets. Um, but I thought it was very interesting that he worked with KD in a place where KD thought he could win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he sent <laughs> Kyrie specifically uh, to a place that, to me, isn't really a contender. I don't think that Dallas is a contender. And no. also – it's going to Luca's hurt right now. I'm interested to see because they're both ball dominant. They yep. both dribble the hell out of the ball. You have to air it up at halftime. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to see how that, uh, how that works. Um, but to me instantly, when I think, I think the Suns are a contender now, and I think they have the best chance at winning a NBA championship uh, this year than they've ever had. Like this is their greatest opportunity in recent years to, to ever, you know, if they've ever had a shot at winning it, it's now. But 
When I look at the West and I know that Golden State is not high up in the standings and I understand that Denver is playing well, I understand, uh, you know, I, I understand the standings. I think it comes down to Golden State and the Suns. And mm-hmm. that's that's to me right now. I think those are the two contenders out of the West. I can't I could look like an idiot, uh, but um, let's let's not forget either. And I know I'm kind of going back and forth. The Nets. Okay, the Nets took uh, the Bucks to Game Seven when they won the uh, NBA championship. Let's mm-hmm. not forget about that. Mm-hmm. The Nets are pretty good. So this was a specific blow up, and the whole Ben Simmons situation. Listen, this Gosh. guy can't get physically uh, healthy. He can't get mentally healthy. Uh, so I, I don't know what's going on uh, with him or his status. I don't. I don't have a damn clue. Mm-hmm. But that was not a good trade uh, to get Simmons. That's my what thoughts. about Cam Thomas? As a man who collects basketball cards, that has been a boon. I mean, this dude is just going nuts. And, like, he was pissed because he wasn't playing. And everybody was kind of like, well, bro, you play behind Kyrie. And and then, I mean, I hate Kyrie. I've said it many times here. I think he's just a cancer on whatever team he goes to. But he can flat ball, dude. I mean, he's so good. That's part of why it's easy to not like him because it's like, dude, if you would just play, uh, you'd be an all-time great, but you you can't. You can't get away from – you can't get out of your own way. But Cam Thomas goes for like 43, 47, 44. Now that everybody else is gone, he's liable to score 60 a night. I mean, dude, he's really good. I think they got good pieces. Claxton's great player. Oh, Day Aaron, he's, uh, he's getting some burn now, which is awesome. Uh, real athletic big. They got some good pieces. I mean, they got some good pieces back. Bridges is a great defender, so I don't see them just like going away. I think they're a very Raptors-like team at this point, right? With like not necessary, especially if Thomas can keep scoring like that, and you got a specialist in Cam. You know, if he stays healthy, you got Claxton in the middle. I think they've got a good like a team that's going to create matchup problems for a lot of people they play, and they're going to win some games on that, and 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 they could still surprise a lot of people. And wouldn't that be crazy? You know, you just get all this in return and and still uh you know you're still there in the end you bring up an awesome point man imagine a western conference final i don't even know if this could happen but it probably could because if 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 the warriors are coming in in the bottom of the rankings and they get hot and then the suns are coming at the top of the rankings you have a western conference final kd against golden state and that should be wild yeah that that would be interesting um and it- <clears throat> I would like to see him and Draymond go at it in the, in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I want to see. A uh, lot of talk there. And as soon as it happened, I was like, that's what I want to see in the playoffs. I want to see Golden State and the Suns go at it. Uh, but it, to me, it comes down to uh, also <laughs> you got to worry about the health of the Warriors and you mm-hmm. got to worry about the health of the Suns. And okay, he's yep. been injured, but also Chris Paul. Chris Paul is uh, about old as dirt. I mean, this guy is ancient at this at this point in his life. He is a dinosaur, but he is effective when he's oh, healthy. Yeah. And he's also a pass-first point guard, which mm-hmm. is really good for KD and uh, Booker. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Dude, and they uh, kept but, DeAndre Ayton in the whole yeah, situation. I mean, so it, it is, it's very impressive, but I will I, – I hate to point this out. And, you know, the one knock on Chris Paul, to me, is when you look at the Clippers – the Clippers were loaded. Oh, yeah. Never had much playoff success. Yeah. I, I mean, you talk about being a contender every year with Blake Griffin in his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, CP, they had the best bench player. They just couldn't get it done. Uh, so I, that is a knock on CP. I don't know. Do I want <sighs> CP to win a championship? I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. C, but CP, I definitely I re- think that Kevin I, I Durant know. is like a top, top 10 all time. 
I mean, when he's playing, dude, there ain't many people ever been better than him. So, I mean, I get that the Clippers were loaded, and I get that. But, I mean, Booker's really good right now. Aiton is a great player. You know, they've got some pieces. But KD, dude, I mean... <laughs> he's one of the greatest ever. You hard cannot. to have a guy like that on your team and uh, and come up short. So we'll see, man. Um, it's debatable. Uh, but the other thing before we get out of here, that's debatable. LeBron passed Kareem. I, I don't know if you watched that game, but that was like full of all this like funny internet jargon. Uh, you know, LeBron hits the fade. You know, passes Kareem. You know, him and Kareem ain't exactly best friends. Uh, but they smile for the camera. You know, LeBron drops f bomb on TNT, which I thought was kind of funny because he seemed he seemed sort of human. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like he just was sort of overwhelmed and all this sort of stuff. The AD thing, like he seemed pissed. I would be pissed to be honest. I don't give a shit if you score a hundred thousand points and we're rolling and you stop the damn game right in the middle and you're doing photo shoots and you know, like what the fuck? Like why didn't they just wait until the? I don't know, but uh, or maybe just stop it for a second, acknowledge it, right? Like let everybody give them a standing O and then move on. It was really, really weird that they did a uh, a whole, you know, ordeal right in the middle of the damn game, and then they went on and lost. I mean, and the game was close until it happened. So uh, I don't know. I, I, do you? Do you? I was watching PTI, man, and they said numbers only really matter in baseball. And it was funny because you, you know, you know, like baseball records, even if you're not a baseball fan. But like, you don't numbers like okay, Jordan's got six rings, but that's not even a. Like what number matters to you? Like Wilt Chamberlain scored a hundred points. Kobe scores 81. Like there's a few numbers that matter, but like from the records perspective, it's almost like, you know, they're just force feeding it to us. I mean, LeBron is incredible. I'm, I'm, we're going to ask you one question. That's really going to stir the pot here after we're done. But like, I mean, what do you think of that? How, how, how relevant is it that, that he's the all time leading scorer? I mean, you're talking to somebody who's played LeBron 11 times in one season. Um, in his peak. Um, I don't know, man. It's to me, I I'm, I'm a little old school and mm-hmm. I would like all the attention to stop. Um, but it is a huge, it is a huge milestone. And I understand the significance, uh, that it could have for not only him, his family, but community mm-hmm. where he came from Akron, Ohio. But, uh, for me, I would never well, I would never stop the game. I would never like that. And if I'm playing yeah. against LeBron, I'm heated. I'm like, yeah. dude, come on, get over yourself. Like, all right, we all knew you were gonna break it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh can we wait till after the game? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sleep, that's my that's my thoughts. Even as a big LeBron Homer, man, I said a thousand times, I just thought it was weird. Like, stop the game, right? For a few minutes. Like everybody stand up, cheer, wave, you know, maybe go shake. Kareem's hand, but to stop, and I, I I don't necessarily know that this was was LeBron's doing, right? Like they stopped the game, bring people on the court, like all this sort of stuff. Like I don't think that he orchestrated that. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's dude. He's an egomaniac, man. As as I would be too if I was that good at anything. But um, yeah, I did think it was was it kind of took away from the moment in a way, right? Jordan wouldn't let that shit happen. So it begs the question, dude, where do you think LeBron ranks? Everybody's asking about it now. You you stirred some feathers, ruffled some feathers or whatever you do. Maybe you could stir them if they're in a pot. Uh, Feathers about, you said Shaq was the greatest Laker of all time. Uh, Not saying I necessarily would call that. That's that's touching on a hot take. Um, But where do you see LeBron all time? Let me let me say this. Shaq won three uh, NBA championship, the Lakers. He was named championship MVP in all three wins. Uh, so let's just put that out there. There's a statue of Shaq right outside of Staples. Uh, so 
the significance of that, I mean, it carries some weight. I've had a lot of criticism in the in the Twitter comments, but I stand behind my tweet. I think Shaq is the greatest Lakers, the greatest Laker player of all time. Uh, that's not a knock on the other players. It's not a knock on Kobe uh, or Pau Gasol. Um, <laughs> but I will say, Sleep, I will say, the thing I like, like Shaq wasn't just a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, like to me, the L.A. lifestyle, yeah. actor, music, everything. That's what L.A. is about. He embraced it. I mean, Shaq was the man. I mean, so you are you saying that Shaq Fu, are you saying that Shaq Fu was better? Wasn't that the, the movie he was in? You're saying that was better than Space Jam 2? Kazam? Kazam. That's a Shaq Fu Kazam, was his album. Dude, Kazam. I mean... <laughs> You should have won a Grammy. Uh, listen, Shaq, Shaq's my all-time favorite athlete. I love and Shaq, so, man. And, and it doesn't get better than that. His personality is amazing. Uh, to me, he was the most dominant player uh, you could you could argue in NBA history. Uh, he's won championships with multiple teams. Uh, and I loved his personality. I, I think he's great. Yeah, he was, he was about as dominant as there's ever been. Here's what I think about LeBron. Okay, I'm a Carolina guy. I grew up just absolutely worshiping the ground that Michael Jordan walks on, and I'll never, never, you know, nobody's going to knock me off of that. I think that LeBron James is the best player of all time, and I think Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. And in my eyes, those are two different things that are equal footing. You put LeBron, no, you cannot argue. LeBron James has more physical tools than any player has ever walked on planet Earth. He doesn't have the killer instinct to make him the greatest, but he is the best player who ever lived. He, it, he, I mean, he's there's no better killer out there than MJ. MJ no is the uh, best player. Not even close. He's the arguably the most competitive athlete to mm-hmm. ever exist. Uh, his story will only get better as time goes. MJ tops the category. We can make an argument for LeBron being a top five player uh, ever in the NBA. He is not number one in any category. Uh, he may score more scoring, but I mean, scoring <laughs> trips okay, to the final. Scoring, I'm, I'm sure if, you know, MJ didn't retire and kick it back and try to go dominate other sports, MJ might be there. hundred uh, percent. I mean, this is a, I mean, this is a, also a testament to his longevity and the way he takes care of his blah, 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 blah. Um, it's going to be received as a slight and that's not my intention. It is, it is, it is my way of giving both guys credit a top, you know, it, well, here's one thing that I think is inarguable. Anybody that says LeBron's any lower than two is fucking full of shit, in my opinion, dude. He is, if he's not Jordan, which I agree he's not Jordan, he is as close as we will ever see in our entire lives. And I don't understand why people don't respect that. People don't like it because of the way he handled his scoring title. People yep. don't like it because, uh, you know, he's vocal on a lot yep. of issues that mm-hmm. people go against. And yep. sometimes, you know, when he makes a statement like, well, I've got to learn how to flop. And then all of a sudden we have all these flops of them out there. <laughs> and he ain't very good at it. <laughs> and has gone through stretches of uh, five games and not had a foul called on him. Yeah. Uh, for him to say that. Now, the refs miss calls. They're human. Uh Real quick, and so in my comments, top five Lakers of all time. All right. People have been coming at me. I'm going Shaq, Kobe, Jerry West, Magic, and James Worthy. 
That's James, what I said. Big game, yes. James. I like UNC, it. UNC, let's go. I do think I mentioned on there that LeBron is the all-time Laker. And I mean, it's, he won a championship. He's won the scoring title there. Like he's, he's, it's tough. Cause it's like, you can't identify, you look, you're going to always identify LeBron as a calf. You know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those situations where, uh, I mean, if you're going to say LeBron is the greatest Laker of all time, then you better say that Michael Jordan's the best wizard of all time because he was there. Right. So, um, I think there's a lot of sim, you know symbiosis between that sort of argument. So I'm I'm with you, man. I, do I you uh, do you count the championship in COVID? Uh, yeah, in the, of course. In the bubble, you count that as a yeah, championship. Absolutely, you got to rank for it. I think it should have an asterisk beside it. Okay, well, I mean, uh, they played well. They played really good. It's a hard hard situation to win in. Everybody's under the same condition. <laughs> Anthony Davis played healthy. That was yeah. uh, boy. That was a miracle. I mean, imagine um, imagine getting hyped for a game where you got a bunch of fucking cardboard cutouts sitting in the damn front row, dude. So, I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's there's uh, there's some – it's not the same, but it's still, you know, everybody's got uh, – man, they handled that brilliantly in the NBA. So someday we'll think back to, like, how the NBA handled COVID versus all the other leagues. And, I mean, it was just incredible what those guys did. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. Super Bowl. KC, Philly, I can't remember. You said the 49ers are going to win. Uh, last I checked, they ain't playing. Uh, I don't remember who the hell I picked. I'm going to go Kansas City all day long. I don't care <sighs> if Kansas City even shows up for the game because I hate Philly. Philly's got the worst fans in the baseball, basketball, football, probably hockey, probably soccer, probably Little League. I mean, Pickleball. Philly fans suck. Pickleball, I bet they're just awful. So, um, man, Jalen Hurts, awesome. Um, AJ Brown, awesome. Hate Philly. Hope they lose by 100. Uh, I got KC all day, so go put your money on Philly because whoever I pick ain't going to win. I'm going KC too. All right. You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.